Happy Easter weekend from the N10 boys, Joe and myself, Thomas. Hope everyone is safe and doing well because we definitely are doing well with this brand new episode. We will be diving into controversial hits, winning and losing streaks, and our 6-10 to 10 trade bait players that we are picking uh, where they end up at the trade deadline. Uh, let's get right into it, Joe, because the first incident in our news happened against your team once again, and we've been talking about this all year in our group chats and even on the podcast. Get us going on the first piece of news we've written down for this episode. Alright, so on Monday, the... Yeah, I think it was Monday or Tuesday. I think it was Tuesday. So Edmonton played Montreal. They had to play their uh, rescheduled game because Montreal came back from their COVID break. And during that game, Montreal won 4 nothing with a shutout. And during the game, McDavid, who was clearly frustrated at his uh, just the lack of effort from the Oilers because they were bad on Tuesday, decided to take out his frustration on Jesperi Kakanyemi and elbowed him in the head, essentially. For no reason, without the puck, it was late. It was interference. You could call whatever you want, roughing, and it was it was essentially malicious because he did not have the puck. He went out of his way to hit him because he was frustrated. I guess I don't know if it was him or in general just from the game, but I thought for sure it was gonna be a just a one game suspension because if it was anyone else, it was it's ten games or three games as we'll talk about soon. <laughs> similar goddamn hit that happened but of course just because of the name on the back of his jersey he only got a five thousand dollar fine he did get a penalty i think for roughing during the actual play so at least it was penalized Mm -hmm. but a five thousand dollar fine for a guy that's making 14 million dollars in salary not cap hit actual salary is essentially like if a guy is making fifty thousand dollars a year and a company fining him 20 bucks. That's how insignificant the fine is and how much of a joke the player department of safety or whatever the hell it is, department mm. of clowns, mm-hmm. uh, issued on Wednesday, I believe. So that's my take on it. I think I thought it should have been a game, nothing more than that. As we'll get to later, like I said, there's a similar incident that happened that got three games. So uh, that's my thoughts on this one. Yeah, so cl- clearly a more than a $5,000 fine, you would agree? Yes, I, just a game, a game, because it was malicious. There was no mm-hmm. reason for it to happen. It wasn't like he was finishing a check. It was late. It was in the center of the ice. Like, it was stupid. And you also think it's 97, that's why? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's like kind of the pathetic on the league. Because, <laughs> like, if you're going to run a fair league and fair uh, discipline, you got to penalize everyone, right? So it doesn't matter who's on the back of the jersey, obviously. Obviously, in a playoff game, that's probably not going to happen, and McDavid probably doesn't do that in a playoff game, but, I mean, I don't think he's ever going to do this again, because he's just going to get penalized next time, but, yeah, man, like, just one game at least is, like, fine, but, like, dude, this $5,000 fine, it does nothing. Nathan McKinnon got his, uh, got Connor Garland's helmet and threw it at him and got the same <laughs> amount of fine for doing that. Like, how is that possible? And that was so, funny. That was pure entertainment. Yeah, but, like, how do you find, like... First of all, why is there a fine for throwing a helmet at someone? He didn't hurt him. Not at all. It was funny <laughs> as hell, man. That was the highlight of the week. <laughs> I don't know. And that game, man, Arizona got freaking killed. And we'll get to that too. But, um, yeah, it's just something in the rules, man. Like, every time we come on here, it's just something in the rules that's, like, really off. And this is another thing that's just happening that's really off again. I know some people have, like, really strong points about this. That this is not a one game. This is not even any game. This is not even a fine. This is not even a penalty. So, 
I don't know who to believe anymore, really. So, with me, yeah, I've, I'm on the same boat one game at least, but I think the fine should be a lot higher than it is right now because in the NBA, I think Kevin Durant the other day got fined $50,000. And I know Kevin Durant probably makes way more than any NHL player, but like at least it's like 50000 not 5000 <laughs> right? So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just like unnecessary hit for McDavid. Any other player, you're right, Joe, Tom Wilson. He's getting the book thrown at him again because he's already done it this season. But just another incident that's really gone nowhere, right? Yeah. And I guess you could talk about that Stevenson one. Yeah, so I, I literally, this was an actual hockey play where Stevenson finished his check. It was a bit high. I agree with the suspension, but it was like, it was more of a hockey play than the McDavid one, if you know what I mean. Like, Mm-hmm. He was going into the boards, finishing a check. It was high, and he got a three-game suspension for it. But how, it's a similar type of hit. It was a high hit for no reason. Yeah. But one guy gets a $5,000 fine, and one guy gets three games, which actually, if you like, do it out, because whenever a player gets suspended, they lose a certain amount of money. Like, Stevenson lost more money, mm-hmm. and the guy makes like a million bucks for three-game suspension than a guy making $14 million getting a 5k fine for essentially the same thing like it doesn't make any damn sense like why is the fine 5,000 why don't you just base it off salary you have they have to fix in the cba because it's a joke right now it's because of the cba maximum allowed under the cba they have to rework that because that's horseshit at this point like you have yeah. guys like that's nothing like no like i said a guy like a person making 50k a year so like one of us for example and then my boss basically like, oh, you cannot do that. Give me 20 bucks. It's like, okay. Like, that doesn't deter him from doing it again. That's another $5,000 fine. You know what I right. mean? Right. Yeah. It's like, if you up in the price, it's going to make people more intimidated, I guess, instead of $5,000. Because what the hell is that going to do for McDavid? The guy just bought like a $12 million house. <laughs> yeah, so. exactly. So, it's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely... Like, I think I'm more pissed about the, like, the, the fine and money and games about it not even mcdavid's hit like yeah like it's a, yeah i'm more pissed at the punishment because okay it happened once whatever like i'm not i don't hate mcdavid for it the guy's ultra competitive as mm-hmm. everyone knows every great player is like that but it's just like it doesn't do anything the penalty like no that's a dangerous play like it you like if he hit like harder or he actually did it with purpose it could have been a lot worse and could have resulted in injury which it didn't which probably played a role in the penalty yeah i was i was just gonna ask you is there is that why there was no really big punishment he's not injured probably because if you look at who did stevenson hit do you know was it mikey anderson i don't know yeah maybe something like did that. he get hurt on that play i don't I have, really remember. I, don't, I have no clue i just saw the hit and in three games so yeah and like i know the the wilson one which again was similar to the stevenson one like What's his name? Uh, Carlo was basically sent to the hospital and the league threw the book at Wilson. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I don't think an injury should result in a higher thing. Like, right, I yeah. Know. Yeah, I know. It's a weird subject. It's never going to get fixed, as we keep saying. But we'll move on to the next piece of news. And it's a signing in Vancouver. And Vancouver's been in the news lately. We'll get to the other piece of news that they've been in. But uh, Thatcher Demko signs a five-year, $5 million de- uh, deal per season with the Vancouver Canucks. This is a good deal, a bad deal, or a great deal for the Canucks and Demko? I think it's a good deal. I don't know if it's great. It could be great, but right now, Demko's been playing great. 
uh, for the last month or so. He started off the season kind of shaky, him and Holtby, and the whole Vancouver team, really. Like, they, they had a good march. Demko was a major reason why, and he got rewarded. And, I mean, Vancouver had to do this because of the expansion draft uh, with Seattle coming in. They they let Markstrom walk because they, they believed in Demko and they rewarded his good play the past month with the 5 times 5 deal, which is good because he's only 25, I think. So again, he'll be taking probably the best years of his career as a starting goaltender. It's a good deal right now. It has the potential to be great. I don't think it has the potential to be bad unless he just falls off a cliff, but I don't, I don't right. really see that. Mm-hmm. So that's my view on it. Yeah, it's a million dollars less than basically what they uh, Markstrom got in Calgary in one year less. But uh, Thatcher Demko, like you said, has a good march. He's been playing good. He had a good bubble as well, shaky at the start of the year. So it's a good deal. It's not a great deal. It could be. It's not a bad deal. I don't think it'll ever be a bad deal, to yeah. be honest, because this guy's too good to be <laughs> like bad. And they have to pay someone to stop the pucks in the net. And they paid Holpe this summer, two years. But if he doesn't go into expansion, man, they're trading him right after that expansion draft because they can't hang on to two $5 million goaltenders when they have to sign Quinn Hughes, Pearson, and Pedersen this summer. So yeah, they've got a lot of work to do. And this is one of the work pieces that they had to get done. And they did. So kind of congratulated them on that for a, um, a kind of expected money and uh, term deal for Demko. But there's another piece of news. The Canucks basically uh, croaked this week with COVID uh, cases, and yeah, it's it's not looking good for the Vancouver Canucks. So it's been rough, and the worst part is they had a week off before they were supposed to play their next game, and then all of this news kind of came out. These positive tests, like Monday, I think Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, something they, like that. Yeah, every single day they've had more and more people test positive, which is very very bad. Like. This is way worse than the Montreal one when it was just two guys yeah. on protocol, but it was actually one guy in Armia who had it, and he's, Armia's still out. Kakanyemi's been playing since Montreal's return to action. So this is, again, 14 players already, I think, is the total count, which is most most of the roster, which is awful. And there are there have been reports that they've act, it's not just like they have it and it's no symptoms. Like Some of the guys are, are really feeling it. Um, mm-hmm. I know Vancouver, their like their restrictions, they're mostly open from what I know, compared to where we are in Ontario, where we're locked down for like the fiftieth time. I don't <laughs> I'm pretty sure Vancouver is like a lot more open, not fully open, but you know what I mean. So maybe that's yeah, yeah. how they got it. The just a bad situation all around. That to, it's really gonna mess up the rest of the North Division schedule, even more so than before when Montreal had it. Yeah, it's just not a good situation for Vancouver right now. Yeah, and this is also like a, I would say a three to month span of rescheduling games for the Canucks, and I don't think you can ever actually do that because the playoffs start May 10th and they already moved that back yep. only a day, but I mean, still, this is a lot of games you have to reschedule in a tight uh, like period of time, so I mean, like, you can't really tell a team, hey, you're not going to be playing the amount of games, and... You know, you're not going to make the playoffs just because of this. Because they were on a bit of a roll. I don't, I'm not saying they would have made the playoffs, but, like, they weren't out of it like the Buffalo Sabres are. But you can't just go to a team and be like, yeah, you're out. Like, sorry, your games are, like, done and you can't play and you can't go to the playoffs. But honestly, with this situation, I could see the North Division doing percentages of yeah. the... Uh, so that could screw, 
Could it screw Montreal? I don't know what the winning percentage for the Canucks are right now. But. Oh, no. Montreal's way ahead of both them and Calgary okay. right now. Like, I could check right now, but I think this was a, even, like, the NHL was going to prepare for this for, like, any division, not just the North, like, if they can't get all the games in. Because Vancouver, I, I think it's impossible to f- get them to 56. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm checking the standings right now. They're currently at 37, so they had 19 games left. Like, realistically, I could see them playing 10 to 12 of their 19 left. And if you want to go by, like, winning percentage. Yeah, go by that. So, okay, I can't see it right now. But essentially, okay, just based on points, them and Calgary have 35 points each. Vancouver's played 37 games. Calgary's played 38. Montreal has 41 points with 33 games played. So Montreal has four games in hand and are six points up. So... Yeah. At this point, it's going to be basically impossible to catch them, even if they played all their games. Because um, Montreal is over a 600 winning percentage. I mm-hmm. believe it's six. I'm just doing the math. Maybe 610. And Vancouver has like 480 or 470. And Calgary's at like 440 something. Yeah. So, like, they're basically out of it, unless Montreal just completely dies, which I don't see happening because they've already won two in a row since they've come back they've already closed they're they're only six points back of edmonton and they have five games in hand so at this point i'm not going to make it huge i'm not going to say like it's over but i don't see vancouver or calgary climbing back into a playoff spot yeah not the way calgary's playing right now no 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 (laughs) yeah so they versed the leafs on a back-to-back this sunday and monday so that is a massive test for the flames to get some points there but yeah canucks they got to get better hopefully they're all better the players and hopefully they finish their games i don't see it but yeah like prayers are with the canucks if it's that bad so um we'll go to our next piece of news and the buffalo sabers have finally won a hockey game last week versus the philadelphia flyers who are also really bad uh they won 6-1 against them two empty net goals i believe by brandon martour who is on the trade bait list later on in the episode? Yeah, your your thoughts, man. Like, we've been talking about this for 18 games. <laughs> yep. So they got it to 18. So they officially tied the record with the 03-04 Pittsburgh Penguins for the longest losing streak in NHL history. But they ended that in style with a 6-1 win over the, like you said, struggling, I would say, awful Flyers because they've been absolutely brutal and a joke from what their expectations were this year. And that includes essentially everyone on the roster. So happy the Sabres got their win. Like I, you got to feel for the players too and the coaching staff, like everyone involved, the fans especially, but just so they're not part of history, they tied it, but they didn't beat it. I mean, you got to feel for the players. You got to feel happy for them. They did lose their next game, but at least they had lost in overtime. They still have some fight left. They don't really have much of an NHL squad at this point after their injuries and they traded Eric Stahl and a lot of their guys are on the trading block. So at, at this point, just they're playing for pride and at least they didn't break the record. Yeah, no, that would have been ter- terrible in a year like this where you play the same teams over and over and over again. But yeah, man, they got it done. They got it done in style as well. Like you said, Joe, 6-1 over the Flyers, even though the Flyers... Are not not meeting any expectations whatsoever in that East Division. I know it's a tough division, but man, it's it's going bad in Philly again. So, 
Um, Buffalo finally wins. Their players are going to be in the block. We've said that before. Lots of players will be in the block. I don't know if a trade will get done. It doesn't seem like a trade was going to get done for the bigger players. That's what I'm kind of surfacing in the NHL. I don't see the Olsen being traded, Reinhardt being traded, all those guys. But if someone comes to you with a good price, I think you got to take it and run. But yeah, they won a game. Uh, I don't know who they played tonight, but yeah, they, I guess, have a chance of winning because Linus Olmark's back in the cage and he seems to be getting, uh, great starts last week he was great against Boston he was great against the Flyers that other time and then he was great again today so he's their kind of a swan song to this year so yeah um they won a game and the other team we're going to talk about that has been dominant the last I would say month is the Colorado Avalanche and they won 9-3 versus the Arizona Coyotes this week and that's the Connor Garland incident with Nathan McKinnon that happened there (laughs) And the Avalanche are 8-0-2 in the last 10 games, which is incredible. I mean, like, we expected this team to be at that top of the division, and they are. I did not expect them to be first place. I said the Vegas Golden Knights, but I said these, this team is second up by far, and they're just proven, again, that they're... Like, they had a slow start, remember that? And then they just got together and just said, well, we're this is our team now, and look where they are. Yeah, they've been absolutely amazing. And just the way they play, like, they outshoot everyone, like, 40 to 15, like, every game. Like, mm-hmm. it's, uh, I don't know how sustainable they are because it feels like they're, like, playing so hard every game, like, trying to shut down the opposition, trying to score as many goals as possible. Like, I just hope they don't waste their energy or something, uh, like, before the playoffs because it's, like, they are playing unreal, but I hope they're not peaking right now because this is, this is what we all expected them to be going into the year. They kind of had a slow start here and there. They had some injuries, of course, and whatever. But this team, when they're all their guys are in the lineup, they are a force. Like they can roll four lines, as you saw that nine-three win. They had five goals from basically their bottom nine in like the first ten minutes of the first period. Don Squire with the hat trick, like come mm-hmm. on, and like their defense have been outstanding, especially yep. Carr and Devon Taves, mm-hmm. and they've just been a wagon. <laughs> they just need to get a backup goalie ASAP, man. Like, you cannot play Grubauer every game. He has been sensational this year, but he needs some help. He needs some yeah. games off, especially for the hopefully long playoff run that this team will go on. Yeah, Jonas Johansson got the first dub yesterday for them, so they won against the uh, also struggling St. Louis Blues, so that's not, pretty, that's not hard to do anymore uh, when it gets the St. Louis Blues, but... Yeah, this team, like you said, I hope they're not peaking because we've seen them in the playoffs and obviously they got kind of schmucked in this Game 7 versus Dallas, but I mean, this team was destined for a run that year and they're destined for another run this year. The only question is, like I think you kind of mentioned, is health and they haven't been a healthy team for the last couple of years. Everyone's literally got injured on their team the past two years, so mm-hmm. I mean, if Grubauer goes down, man, dude, they're this screwed. is... Yeah, that's... That'd be a blow, and then, and if one of their defensemen goes down, like McCarr's been hurt this year, and they've been actually pretty good without him. So they just need to stay healthy. I think that's their big. I think that's their biggest um, opponent. Getting like staying healthy. The injury bug is their biggest opponent this year versus them. Yeah. So yeah, they got to stay healthy. They're an unbelievable team. Them and Vegas are going to go at it. I believe they. Who are they going to be playing in the first round if it ended today? The Colorado eventually will be playing the Arizona Coyotes. Wait, Arizona's in fourth now. Yeah, the Blues, the blues are, are out. Oh my God, they're ass. <laughs> yeah, and 
The Sharks are two points behind the Blues. All right, the Blues. I mean, Benner, where are you at, bud? Come on. <laughs> he got his contract. He's uh, riding with it, taking it home, getting that payday. But this division is so weird. Like, I did not expect the Minnesota Wild to be this good. And they're third, uh, basically third alone in that division as well. So, man, that division is weird. I mean, Colorado Avalanche, they're two points up on the Vegas Golden Knights. But we'll keep tabs on that. Um what other news do we have? We have, oh uh, no, we have some, uh, yeah, you can mention it, you can mention it. Alright, so yesterday we got, uh, let's check this guy's name, Brandon Dubinsky, who has been MIA for three years from the NHL, basically got run out of the league, Columbus doesn't want to play him because he's awful and he has a terrible contract. I don't even know if he's officially retired, but he just came out of nowhere with this like argument of a Sid versus OV kind of comparison. If people don't know Dubinsky, he had like some beef with Crosby when they played. Like they matched up a lot in the playoffs when he was with when Dubinsky was with the Rangers and Columbus, and they actually fought a few times I think in the playoffs. So like there's some actual beef there, but this just came out of nowhere. He basically said he would take Ovi over Sid any day, and that Sid like whines basically is what his argument was. Even though Crosby has a better points per game, way better points per game more Stanley Cups, and more, I guess, team accolades. Ovi has more individual, I believe, but Crosby has more team. He has more, uh, but like I said, better points percentage, more assists, all that stuff. Generational player, but he basically said that Sid is a like a crybaby in wine. So what are your thoughts on this one? So my thoughts on this is, uh, one, Brandon Dubinsky still alive. I don't know where he was. Um, the second thought is... Why did this come out so randomly? And the third thought is, I guess Sid is pretty good because he's living rent-free right in Dubinsky's head. <laughs> so, I mean, the guy, I know he whined. He whined early in his career, and he probably still does, Sidney Crosby, but I can't deny the fact that this guy is one of the best players in the National Hockey League and one of the best players of all time. And the way that, like, Dubinsky just comes out randomly on a podcast and just said, yeah, I would take Ovi over Sid any day, it's like, yeah, like, people can have their opinion. Like, it's not that controversial, buddy. Like, I mean, it's just not, like, it's not that something that's never been said before. I mean, I know you hate Sid. You've had battles with him. But, like, I don't know what he really got the point across. Like, I don't know what his point was, really. <laughs> yeah. Just besides be- taking Ovi. <laughs> exactly. He just, I was like, yeah, like, Ovi's goals are great. Sid wines. That was his, <laughs> that was his argument, like. All right, buddy. Like we already know you hate him. You beefed. Yeah. Uh, he lives rent free, like you said in your head. You haven't been on the ice in like three years, so I don't know who who the hell you're talking to. <laughs> I mean, like, whatever, whatever, Dubinsk. Yeah, I don't even know where he's. Is he still in Columbus? No clue. He's probably in like Lou's basement, for all I know. No, I thought he was in the peg. Uh, he's in the peg with Buff. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, so I don't know what the hell was going on there, but. They've had their fair share of battles, and obviously... The, actually, they both whine, so I don't know what Trubinsky's talking about, but... Exactly, and one's like a fourth-line grinder, and his, yeah. his career highlights is fighting Sidney Crosby, so <laughs> go good for you there, buddy. And this, and this. He's going to get more views like this. Um, yeah. So that's our news, basically, and we'll get to the part of the episode where we talked about last week. We did 1-5, to five, and today we're going to do 6-10 to 10 on the top five trade targets for the National Hockey League. As the trade deadline comes in, I think... A week and two days away, right? Yeah, so today's the 3rd, and it's next Monday. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's the 12th, right? So About nine days away. 
Yeah, so we'll get into the 6-10 to 10 right now, and there's two defensemen, three forwards. We'll start off with number 6. Um, I don't know if you prepared something. I, I didn't really prepare something. I kind of knew where these guys were going to probably end up, but the first guy is Kyle Palmieri of the New Jersey Devils. He's having a very last, uh, great last two weeks in the National Hockey League right now since he's come back from, I believe, an injury at the start of the year, so... Where do you have uh, Cal Palmieri getting sent to at the deadline? So I think he's going to stay within the division. Like, I don't really have many notes either. Kind of just looked at the names and thought of the team. So I think he'll, again, we already talked about last episode, what other teams could acquire. But again, since nothing's happened so far, we're going to, we can still make like, you know, team predictions of where these guys will go, obviously. So with Palmieri, I think he'll go to the Islanders. That's my pick. Again, they still haven't done anything about the, the Lee injury who's out for the year. They have $7 million sitting there. Obviously, Palmieri makes 4.6, so that's not going to be an issue whatsoever. It's going to be within the division, but it, it doesn't really matter because these divisions only last one year, and he's a UFA at the end of the year. So I think he'll go to the Islanders to just give them some secondary scoring, but I don't know because they didn't need it the other night versus Washington. They potted eight goals on them with Barzell <laughs> getting three. So yeah, but just to stabilize that top six, I think Palmieri should be a pretty good addition to the Islanders. Yeah, that's a solid pick. They need him for uh, the Lee injury away, and I think Lou is from. No, he's actually not familiar. He never had him in New Jersey, but played for New Jersey. Um, with Cal Palmieri, like I would love him to come in the Leafs, but I see him going to the Boston Bruins. I think the Bruins would love a guy like this, like just grit, absolutely can get on the board and can give relief off the top line of Pasternak, Bergeron, and Marchand. So even if he pl- it was playing with one of them, maybe take one out on that line and put someone else on the other line, but this guy's going to add a lot of things into the playoff style that the Bruins play. They play a gritty style, dump and chase kind of, and possession, and he can shoot, he can shoot, so... They're going to need a guy to pass to him, obviously, but uh, Kyle Palmieri is a guy who can shoot in the playoffs and be good and effective in the playoffs, so I could see him going there. And another team, just quickly, I think the Edmonton Oilers could be a, a dark horse to get him. They desperately need that top-line winger, and if they're going to be in a playoffs with one of the Leafs, the Montreal Canadiens, or the Winnipeg Jets, they're going to need a guy to kind of piss off the other top six players, and Kyle Palmieri could probably do that, and he can also score goals, like I said, so... Uh, those two teams are definitely a target. Do you have another team for them, or just maybe just love one team? Yeah, actually, Bruins were my second pick, oh. but I got I got them uh, for one of the players uh, lower in the list. Okay, okay, makes sense. Um, the next person on our list is Nicholas Felino of the Columbus Blue Jackets, Brandon Dubinsky's teammate. He sits at seventh right now on the trade bait list. Um, do you have a target team that would like to acquire? Because I don't really think he is on the block, really. Yeah, because he's the captain, right? Yeah, like, yeah. People forget that he is the captain of the team. He is a UFA after this. He makes five and a half right now. But if you were to get dealt, if Columbus decided, you know what, this year has been awful, which it has been, they cannot score at all, Columbus. Um, one team that could be interested and I think would be a great fit is your team, the Toronto Maple Leafs, only if Columbus retains salary because the trade... In my view, it'd probably be Kerfoot, so that's about three and a half million. Probably a, a good pick and maybe a B level prospect because Felino brings what I think the Leafs need more, which is very he's very versatile. He could play anywhere and like mm-hmm. right now they have Galchenyuk on the second line. That second line's been producing chances, but the the question is do you wanna trust Galchenyuk being a top six player who just kinda came out of nowhere after 
being basically on the dumpster heat <laughs> for a few weeks there. Yeah. So I don't know if they want to trust him. I'm not saying Galchenyuk's bad because he has been very good, and I kind of want him to score at some point because of the <laughs> post yesterday. Yeah. But, yeah, so I think Felina would be a good fit there on that line because he, he's kind of like a hymen in a sense. He kind of, like, works hard, gets the mm-hmm. pucks to kind of – he can get the puck to skill guys. He can be on the power play in front of the net, deflecting shots. So I think he's kind of what the Leafs need in terms of a versatile player. So that's my pick for Felino. That's not a bad pick. Um, With my pick, I'm going to go to the Florida Panthers again and say they need him because, I mean, you just look at their center depth, it's Barkoff, and then then it's just Wenberg. I don't know if Wenberg's going to keep this up in the playoffs. And then you just need, like, they already have a Patrick Hornquist. If you get a Nick Foligno, boom. Like, you're set to get other teams pissed off already. They're just there. And like you said, he's versatile. He could play the wing, he could play center, he could play the other wing. So... You slot him in a position where he's going to have success with Barkov, Huberdor, or anyone in their top six. It's honestly a win situation for the Panthers. They need someone to get them over that first round hump, like we mentioned last uh, week, I believe. And they haven't made the playoffs or haven't got past the first round since they won the cup or something like that. I don't know. But this is the type of player you need to acquire if you're going to have success in the playoffs. A versatile player that can get under your skin. So... The Florida Panthers are the team that could use his services. The Columbus Blue Jackets aren't out of the playoffs yet, but they're starting to fall off just a bit and may have to sell. We st- we said the Nashville Predators have to sell. Man, they're in fourth place right now, so yep. I don't know what's going on there. But uh, Nick Foligno to the Leafs for you. Nick Foligno to the Florida Panthers for me. And then the next player on the list is Alex Giligoski of the Arizona Coyotes. He's a defenseman. He hasn't put up great numbers for the Coyotes, but um, do you have any situation he wants to get into at the trade deadline? I actually do not. I have no idea who would want an aging left-handed offensive defenseman. I'm literally trying to think of all the playoff teams, and I just don't see who could add him because of the cap hit or who would even want him because, like you said, he's had a bad year. He -hmm. is old, and he doesn't really defend well. So, like, I don't even think there's going to be anyone interested. Like, I would say the Jets. <laughs> okay. But, like, again, like, they don't need him. They need, like, an actual defenseman, not like a... Right. Like, Morrissey's already kind of like that in the sense where he's a kid's a left-handed shot. He runs the power play. Like, you don't need that already. You have Pionk, mm-hmm. who's there as an offensive D as well. They no, don't right. need someone like Goligoski, but I'll, I'll just say the Jets. Okay. How about you? Uh, um, for me, I'm going to say a reunion in Pittsburgh for them. Uh, I think this is a guy they always liked in their organization. He's played the power play for them in the past. And if Burke and Hexall want to get their hands on him again, go ahead. And I think it's going to be a bigger trade with the Coyotes. They also need scoring up front. And if they can get a Connor Garland in there somehow with Giligoski, that would be perfect for them. But yeah, the only team I basically see is Pittsburgh. They need some defensemen. I know he's not defensive and not great defensively, but... They need some defensemen who could get points on the board besides Chris Letang in their lineup. So, um, yeah, maybe a reunion there, maybe some depth there in the organization for them going to the playoffs. But the only team I can basically see is the Penguins. So, um, it's a solid get, pick. Yeah, you could get to number nine. And this is Brandon Montour, who we mentioned at the top of the episode of the Buffalo Sabres. Um, I don't know what defenseman he is. Like, obviously in Buffalo, you can't really tell who a player is. Like, Eric Stahl, man, he had bad numbers, but before he was great in Minnesota. So I think he's going to come on top as a good player for the Canadians. But with Brandon Montour, I think this is another guy who is going to come on top good if he gets traded to another team. So what team do you see acquiring him? 
So this is the team I see the Jets acquiring. So he's a right shot D, which they need help with because they only really have Pionk there. Like everyone else is left-handed. And I know that's not a huge deal in today's NHL, but they do need someone that can shoot right on the other side because they have, I believe, Forbert left-handed. Stanley is left-handed. You know, they also have, like, I think Beaulieu is actually out for the rest of the season. So that's a guy that was in their top six. So they really need to address their their defense so i think montour he'll come on cheap i think he's not too old either i don't know if he's a ufa after this year he might be or an rfa but i think they should acquire him in like more of a five six kind of defenseman role i think he'd be good for that role so i have him going to the jets yeah that's not bad either um he is a ufa next year so uh the buffalo sabers should definitely try and fleece a trade uh, with him but if they're going to trade him, I think the another team, like we mentioned, I mentioned at the top, uh, the Florida Panthers, they just lost Ekblad. They're going to need a nice, right, nice right-handed defenseman who can get offense. So this is a guy you should be all over. I mean, the right side consists of, I think, Uyghur, Strawman, and someone I forgot. But Brandon Montour is definitely going to help their team right now and help them make a run. So uh, Brandon Montour to the Panthers. Solid pick as well. Okay, now you can go first for this last pick. So the last pick that we have here, the 10th trade target, according to TSN, is Ricard Raquel. So where do you think he will end up if if he gets dealt? Because he still has years left on his deal. He's not, like, too too old for Anaheim. Mm-hmm. So this is not a slam dunk that he will get dealt, but where do you see him ending up? Yeah, Ricard Raquel is a weird one because he's first off injured right now and on the IR for some reason. I don't know what happened there, but... Um, their price is high, they said the Anaheim Ducks on Ricard Raquel, and I don't know why they would set such a high standard for Ricard Raquel, but, you know, a team that could be in on him, uh, if Minnesota's gonna really go for it and kind of make the playoffs, Minnesota, uh, he could also play center, could play wing, and they need scoring besides Kirill Kaprasov getting all the points and points and assists and goals, so, Minnesota could be all on him, and another team that could sneakily be on him is the Dallas Stars, they need scoring, and they have a lots of uh, IR cap space that is not on their roster right now. So acquiring a guy like Ricard Raquel, who they desperately need offense from him because they're getting too much offense from just their first line of Robertson, Pavelski, and Ben, and that's not acceptable, especially the way they're going. They sit in seventh in that division. They have, I believe, four or five games in hand. So they're not really actually like capitalizing on these games in hand here, the Stars, so... They want to go out and acquire uh, Ricard Raquel, and if Minnesota wants to go out and acquire Ricard Raquel, that would be nice fits and pieces for them to make the playoffs. How do you? How about you? Where do you see him? Yeah, those are solid picks. So this is where I have the Boston Bruins kind of acquiring him because I think he'd be a great fit with Krejci on that second line because he's 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 he kind of reminds me of a Pasternak in the sense where he could shoot the puck, but he could pass it. He's he's dangerous from all sides. He hasn't been great recently. But he has scored 30 a few times, I think, before. One or two times. So I think if you get someone to set him up, he could play make as well. Mm -hmm. I think him and Krejci could have a good connection there. So that's that's my number one team that I would think. Because he is uh, cost-controlled. He's not making too much money. So like the Bruins can't afford him. They don't need to trade anyone off their roster, I think. Because I don't know how much cap space they have. But he only makes less than four. So... That's my number one team. And the number two, like you said, I think may possibly the Florida Panthers. Because like you said, outside of Barkov, who I think is hurt right now. Yes, he is. <laughs> Hu- yes, Huberdo, who's been great. Verhage, who's been great. 
Hornquist who's been great. Maybe they they want to bolster their scoring a little bit with a younger kind of guy. Mm-hmm. He's I think twenty seven or twenty eight, so he's not old by any means. Um, that could be. I know they're more concerned about defense, like you said, like adding a Montour. But if they don't get Montour and they want to add some scoring depth, I think Raquel could be a good fit there too. Yeah, I don't know what a price like Ricard Raquel is pricing out on the market right now. Like they they said it's high, so. I'm assuming it's a first, first of all, and then an A prospect, and then maybe some roster player of some sort. But that's high for a guy who really hasn't had a great year in a couple of years. Yeah, exactly. Like I think the most you can get is maybe a a first and a B to B level prospect, or like a first and a roster player. That's it. Like he's not worth that much. No, yeah, he's not worth that much. But like again, at the same time, he has another year on his deal and. He also is playing in Anaheim where he's not getting, like, no points. But, like, if he's put in a good position like the boss of Ruins, look out if that guy goes off with those type of players on that on that team. So, yeah. um, that's been it. I, th- I don't know if we're going to do another one. Maybe we do 10 to 15 because there's not a ton of news that's happening in the National Hockey League. But hopefully there's trades in the next week so we can kind of report on that um, Saturday, next Saturday, before the deadline on the Monday. So, yeah, that's it. Uh, 6 to 10. Uh, we'll get into our hard hat awards for this week. Awards to the best player in the National Hockey the last week of play. And my player, who we just mentioned on the Florida Panthers, is Carter Verhage. Five goals, three assists, eight points, one power play goal, two power play assists, one shorthand goal, one game winning goal. Um, I think this has been one of the steals of the free agency, sort of, because Carter Verhage stepped in their top six and is scoring in their top six. He has, I think, 16 goals. And that's ridiculous, man. He went on the fourth line in Tampa, winning the cup. And then he's going to the Florida Panthers and breaking out similar to Jonathan Marchessault. He could be up for expansion, but honestly, Joe, like I don't see them making that mistake two times in a row because whether you expose someone else to where everyone is like, wow, you actually didn't expose them. You can't let this guy go after the year he's having. So um, there's also a really cool stat here. He has 22 minutes and 18 seconds of total ice time in the last week. And that's fifth amongst forwards in that week span. So... I searched this up, and the other players are Dreisaitl, Matthews, Marner, and Shifley. <laughs> so being in that conversation, when you have Jonathan Huberdeau on your roster as well, that's pretty impressive. But this guy plays everywhere. He plays power play, shorthanded, 5-on-5, 3-on-3, 4-on-4. He plays everywhere. So, yeah, they can't make that same mistake, the Panthers. They can't try and do a deal where they kind of lose the deal in a way. So... Uh, Carter Verhage, the last week of play, is my hard hat winner. And your guy is actually really surprising the last week. Yes, he has been. I do agree with the Verhage thing, uh, especially, like you said, the expansion draft. They cannot afford to make that mistake because that set that team back like a few years. Because I remember Florida made the playoffs, I want to yes. say. Like in 2016, they I think they just missed 2017. And then they let Marcia so walk, who had that great year, like you said. Mm-hmm. They can't make that mistake again because then they were not even good at all for like two years. And then this year they've been really good so far. Looks like they're going to make the playoffs. So, yeah. So, I agree with the Verhege. And, yeah. So, my guy is very surprising because it's a team that, like you said earlier in the episode, they are two points out of a playoff spot. I don't know how many games in hand they have or if they're behind a game. But that is goaltender for the Sharks, Martin Jones, who went 3-0 this past week with a 935 save percentage. And shut out the LA Kings, I believe, last night. So he's been kind of rounding into form. 
we'll see if the Sharks make the playoffs. Like you said, the Blues have been awful this year. They've only, I think they've won like once in their past 10 games and they've lost a bunch in like extra, like shootout or overtime. So they've been getting points, but like they haven't won in a long time, the Blues. So they've been bad. Uh, Like you said, Minnesota's kind of in that third spot. Looks like they're going to secure it. Then you have the Arizona Coyotes occupying the fourth spot. So this West is not over yet for that fourth playoff spot. I think the top three, maybe Minnesota, but the top two for sure are Mm -hmm. playoff bound. Minnesota looks like they are. And then the fourth spot's kind of a wild card right now. So Martin Jones is keeping the Sharks in it. I don't know how how that benefits them in the long run. If they (laughs) miss the playoffs, they don't get a good draft pick. But this draft is not even going to be that good because of the prospects not playing at all. Right. Most of them, so... We'll see what happens, but at least he had a good week. Shows that the Sharks still have some fight left in them. I didn't. Even, I never would have thought myself or you saying Martin Jones is <laughs> keeping the the Sharks afloat. Maybe two or three years ago, yeah. Not not the last <laughs> couple <of> years. <laughs> no, not even close. Um, so we'll get into the Golden Plunger, giving to the biggest underperformer of the week, team or player. We both picked up player, players, and yeah, flush this toilet for these guys. <laughs> And I'll start off because I think yours is way more significant. Um, so mine is Charlie Coyle of the Boston Bruins. We mentioned them in the episode. Acquiring depth and putting scoring off for the uh, big line of Pasternak, Marsh, and Bergeron. And this is a guy who hasn't been scoring and is getting paid to score and help them with the depth situation, with the scoring situation. And he has one point in the last 14 games of play for the Bruins. He, he just got paid, I believe, a year ago, $5.2 million for the next six years. That's and horrible. yeah, <laughs> like off that off that playoff run, he was really solid. I think he was their third or fourth scorer on the Bruins for the playoffs, and he was unbelievable in that run for the Stanley Cup where they lost the Blues. But Charlie Coyle has to really step it up. He's one of these guys who's right behind them in the depth chart, as in terms of the second line center and second line winger where he can play. So he's really got to step it up. One point is not even close to good for the what he's getting paid and stuff like that, what he should be doing for that Bruins team, surrounded by a good uh, Bruins core. So I don't know if he's injured right now. Let me check, because I could be bashing on a player that is injured, but um, I don't think he seems to be injured. So that's, like, he's played 32 games this year, nine points, and one in the last 14. So, that's yeah, bad. <laughs> Charlie Coyle has to step up. But your guys might be even worse, dude. <laughs> yeah, so obviously this was the biggest trade of the NHL season, and it happened all the way back the second week of the season in January, and that was between Patrick Liney and Pierre-Luc Dubois, who both wanted out of their respective teams and markets for whatever reason. Um, they got their wish, maybe not their preferred destinations, but you got your wish. You wanted out, you got out and both of them have not been good. Like if you would think that these two guys who pick second and third overall in 2016, look, these are their numbers when they should be like kind of lighting up the league right now. So line eight with Columbus has been a disaster in terms of the whole benching and all this stuff and him going pointless and goalless. He has seven goals, seven assists for 14 points in 28 games since he arrived in Columbus. And then Dubois on the other side who had to quarantine for two weeks and he got injured and he's been off for most of this year anyway. He has six goals, eight assists for 14 points in 23 games. So, but the, the issue is 
these guys, like Lainey's had two three-point games this year. So that's six points out of the 14 he had in two games. And Dubois had two as well, three points. Again, so that's 20-plus games each of basically getting six to seven points per person. Like, that is not good enough at all. And I know Dubois had the harder go because of the injury and he had to quarantine a much longer than Line, who was literally like two, three days. But both have been not good. Line is an RFA after this year. Dubois one year left. I can't imagine both GMs are happy or even the fans are happy with what these players have provided. So I'm putting both of them for the plunger for this week and honestly for the season so far. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say your plunger is probably for the, the season, right? Yeah. So both guys really just, I don't know what happened. I guess, yeah, you got to give relief to quarantine and the injury Dubois had. But like still, man, like you got to be putting up numbers when you demanded your way out of both teams for that matter, both Liney and Pierre-Luc Dubois. So. Like, obviously, I don't really think this. these are clear Luke Dubois and Patrick Laine's, like careers right here we're seeing, but definitely a really rough stretch for both, and they really have to get going for their teams if they want to have success for Pierre Luke Dubois in the playoffs and Patrick Laine to make the playoffs. So uh, both three good candidates. I didn't think I would see three players on this list, but here we are talking about the Golden Plunger, giving out three Golden Plungers this week. But the next award is, not award, uh, next segment is What You Say. And uh, Jason, let us know what we're playing. What you say? And this week we had a funny incident with Eric Carlson. So just a bit of backstory here with Eric Carlson, a clip we're uh, showing you. I think you might have heard it, but we'll play it again. Eric Carlson was asked if this was his biggest uh, performance in a game where he had two goals and basically a hat-trick in the shootout. And players don't like to be asked if they, they got a hat-trick in the shootout because they, they didn't really get a hat-trick. So don't talk, t- say they got a hat-trick. It was in the shootout. But just, I mean, the San Jose reporter, I assume it was, really didn't watch his time in Ottawa and how great he was there. So we'll play the clip now on him uh, chomping on a good old fruit there. All right, Eric, is that the best offensive game you've ever had? Uh, two goals and essentially a hat-trick when the game winner in the uh, shootout? Not even close. So yeah, what are your uh, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> I love that clip, man. It's so funny. Like, the uh, obviously the report I had no idea the guy was a two time Norris winner in Ottawa and was on literally on a Hall of Fame arc before <laughs> he turned thirty in Ottawa. Now it's kind of questionable. His first year in San Jose was fine. The last two have not been great. And clearly he's not happy with the team right now because they're out of the playoff spot and he hasn't been doing well. So I absolutely love that response because it just shows how dumb some of these reporters are. It was maybe his best offensive game as a Shark. Even I don't even want to say that. He probably had a couple assist games probably in his first year with them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, such a great response. He had to munch on that apple, man. <laughs> it made the whole clip, so... What a, that's a great soundbite. Yeah, that, that this is definitely not one of the best performances. Have you seen him in the playoffs, dude? <laughs> he was playing on like basically one leg and was the best Ottawa Senators player. And probably should have got Conn Smythe votes. But yeah, Eric Carlson just not having a great year with the Sharks, but a great last couple of games for the Sharks here. And obviously, it's not really, that's not your career. Two goals and a, basically a hat-trick in the shootout. But um We'll get to the Battle of the Buds. So this week, we both swept the Battle of the Buds. We both went 3-0. and And this is a week you basically needed me to go 1-2, and maybe 0-3. And, and 
yeah, uh, we both went 3-0. and So I got the Kings at the Golden Knights right. The Flyers come back versus the Sabres I got right. And then the Blues obviously lost the Avalanche last night. And then you almost got a scare on that Saturday versus the Bruins and Sabres. I did. So I, like you said, I also went 3-0, and and it's going to be really hard for me to catch up. Like It almost looks like it's over at this point. But yes, the Bruins won with like three or four minutes left in the game to pull that one out. And then I had uh, Avalanche beating the Ducks pretty handedly and the Lightning beating the Blue Jackets. So uh, I'll just go right into my picks for this week. So I need another clean sweep again, and I really <laughs> need you to go 0-3 or else like I'm running out of runway. So I have the Red Wings visiting the Lightning. Uh, that should be a slam dunk on uh, tomorrow, April 4th. Then I have the Bruins at Flyers. The Flyers have been bad, bad. But the Bruins have been great. But I'll take them on the road on April 6th. And then the Avalanche visiting Minnesota on April 7th. And then I have the dominant Avalanche winning that one. Yeah, and then for me, I got the Jets who are home to the Sens. The Jets have had a wonky two games with the Leafs, so they got to get bust out of it and I think they'll do it against the Sens, so April 5th I have that. Uh, the Sabres and Devils. I didn't really pick out an opponent because I don't know who's going to win in this one, but I'm going to pick the Buffalo Sabres to win wow. that game versus the Devils on April 6th. So Buffalo, yeah, you got to win this one for me. And then the Golden Knights were home to the Coyotes on April 9th. I'm going to take the Golden Knights there. So I'm banking on the Sabres. I don't know how that's going to play out, but... Honestly, the last three games, they haven't looked that bad, to be honest. I don't know if you've been watching, but like it's just like not that bad of hockey I'm seeing from them. But They haven't. I think when they changed to Don Granado, I think they asked like Reinhardt or someone, one of the younger guys, they basically said they're able to kind of skate with the puck now. Like Before, it was like a lot of dump and chase. Like I think now the new system that Granado's kind of come in with obviously came in mid-season, and mm-hmm. it's hard to implement a new system, but... I think they're Reinhardt is saying they're playing with more pace. They have been scoring more goals recently as well. Like they scored obviously six versus the Flyers, two empty netters, but three versus the Flyers the game before. They scored two or three versus the Rangers, I think, their last game. Mm-hmm. So they've been kind of playing a little bit better, more competitive. And I actually just saw this stat right now. Mm-hmm. And and you you might fall off your chair. Mm-hmm. So since March seventeenth, so essentially two weeks in a bit they don't even have the worst points percentage in the nhl do you know who does uh, if i had to give guesses i would probably say the detroit red wings nope it is the calgary flames who are two and seven and they have a two 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 points percentage Buffalo's one five and two with a two fifty points percentage, <laughs> and the Blues are third with a two five and one with a three point one three points percentage. Oh, okay, this is in the month of March. No, no, no. This is since March seventeenth, so oh, roughly okay. <laughs> two and a half weeks. Oh my god! If it was the month of March, Buffalo wins by a landslide. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Oh. But yeah, again, you, I was not expecting to see that on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, especially with a team like Buffalo and how they were playing, yeah. But also Calgary, on the other hand, wow. Oof. Don't know what's going on there. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it, they've been bad. They cannot score, and they just... I don't even know what they play. They play like they're the 2012 Kings. Like, we, <laughs> I kind of predicted they would be. Um, doesn't look like a great hire, Daryl Sutter. I mean, it's not all his fault. The roster no, is the roster's not 
great outside of a few players who have not even been playing well. No. So if those guys aren't playing well, you're not going to win many games. And the Calgary Flames have not won many games in the past two and a half weeks. So yeah, they're playing themselves right out of a playoff <laughs> spot right now. I'm not going to say it's over because they can go on a run here. They have mm-hmm. some players that are capable, but it just doesn't look like it's going to happen. Yeah, and it's like, I don't know, man. Someone has to get fired there because Trey Living went for it this summer. He got Markstrom, he got Tanev, he got a bunch of players, and it hasn't really worked out for them, and they're worse than people expected. Like, I think they were better last year than this year. <laughs> they were, for sure, and they weren't even good last year. At least they, like, like right now, because, whatever, last year was the 2014 bubble. I don't know where they placed last year, but if I want to check overall where the Flames sit at, they are 24th. Mm-hmm. So if they say, for example, they did the bubble again, they would be one point up on Dallas, and Dallas has four games in hand. So that's how underwhelming this Flames team has been this year. And I'm not trying to rip on the Flames too much because, I mean, I don't really have that. I'm, I want them to do bad, so I'm not gonna be ha- I'm not gonna like be mad that they're doing bad. But I mean, it's just been a bad season for them. Yeah, and. Um, twenty eight and eight on Battle of the Buds, and you're twenty two and fourteen. So you got so you got some catching up to do, like the Calgary Flames as well. So uh, we go into Joe Spicy Meatball. Do you have one in the oven? Do you have it in the freezer? Where is it right now? All right. So this one is not too much of a spicy meatball, but it it's gonna be <laughs> it's involving one of the Alberta teams, and it's not the one that we were talking about, and that is the Edmonton Oilers. So I. My spicy meatball for this week, and it's not it's not really based on anything. It's based on who they have on the roster and who you think will eventually come out of the North Division. So I think that the Edmonton Oilers, who are currently third, will fall to fourth at the end of the season and play the Leafs in the first round and lose in a sweep. Wait, say that again? Okay, so it, it's convoluted. Yeah. All right, so right now they sit third. Mm-hmm. Montreal is six points behind them with four or five games in hand. So say Edmonton oh, finishes okay. fourth. And they play Toronto finishes first. So they play Edmonton and Toronto in the first round, and they get swept out versus the Leafs, ending their demons. Mm-hmm. So I basically said they get swept out of the first round versus the Leafs. I'm going to say no because they have 97 and 29. <laughs> It's too hard to sweep a team like that, and we're the Leafs. Like we just happen to choke every time. So, yeah, I don't, I don't see this team getting uh, swept. I don't even know what the playoffs are gonna look like. Like I know maybe the Jets are in second, and maybe they kind of lock that up. But other than that, it's a toss up between that fourth and third spot for Edmonton and Montreal, don't you think? Yeah. So if I'm gonna go quickly again to the standings, been looking at them a lot today. Um, <laughs> So right now, they're both tied, actually, Edmonton and Winnipeg, with 47 points each, with 38 games each. So so Toronto's four points clear of both of them with a game in hand. So it looks like if they win that game, they're six points up with the same amount of games. It looks like it might be over by then for first place in the division. Like I said, Montreal's six points behind both of them with five games in hand on each. Again, mm-hmm. you have to win those games, and they have to right. lose. So... Again, it's tough because Montreal, if they go on a massive heater, which I don't know if that will happen, I don't really see it, they could potentially finish second in the division still because both second and third are tied on right. points and games played right now. Yeah. So it's we'll tough. See. It's tough. 
Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think Winnipeg's just too good. Like, I think so too. They've been playing really good recently, and like, oh man, like that series, Montreal, Toronto, that'll be nuts. Like, dude, why is there no fans, man? Like, Come that on. series would be rocking with fans. Hey, who knows? They'll be. According to the Montreal government, they might be fans in by playoffs. So who knows, man? Yeah, I don't <laughs> the know. Montreal I don't know. might have home, might have fans at their at the rink. So and that will be a um, a definite uh, advantage for the Montreal Canadiens there. But no, I do not think the Toronto Maple Leafs will sweep any team. Actually, they won't sweep any team because we're the Leafs. We're just programmed to chokes in some games. So. Um, yeah, that was the spicy meatball. I think that's pretty much it on the episode. If you have any last words here you want to get to. Yeah, so we finally finished the 30 for 30. Our yes. MLB, team, <laughs> MLB team finished that, and we're really happy that we've managed to do that because it took a lot of effort from our guys. We got it done. Mm-hmm. So there's a huge link, if you're a baseball fan, on the breakdownsports.com to view all of the articles. All of the teams are there. Follows the same format. We kind of break it down. Their past year, what to expect in 2021. The season is officially underway, so go check those out if you're interested in baseball. And as for me, I'll have my power rankings out probably Monday, the updated power rankings. And there's yep. going to be some changes, I already know. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> there, will be, there will be some, and most of them will be in the middle because I think the top is decent. The, ten, the top 10 will be different than last week, obviously. There will be a new team at number one. I'll tell you that right now. And there will be a few other new teams potentially sneaking into that top 10 as well. So keep an eye out for that one. Some movement in the power rankings. I'd like to see a lot of teams should be lower. A lot of teams should be higher. So keep on uh, tabs for that on the breakdown sports. Uh, From my end, keep looking out for the fantasy article every Monday. I haven't posted last week. I forgot to. So uh, yeah, I'll post that this week. But trade deadlines fast approaching. So some trade deadline articles for players going to different places are... Definitely going to roll out from my standpoint in the next couple weeks. So uh, keep on the lookout for that. And obviously the trade deadline, look out for that for the National Hockey League and the Breakdown Sports. I don't think I'll be live tweeting every trade that goes on for the Breakdown, but uh, maybe some significant ones that happen on trade deadline day. So keep out on that for the Twitter account. But from that standpoint, Intend will be back. Next Saturday. Join us in the next one. Woo!